Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. If you have your Bible with you. If you're laid out, if you're with the Lord, if someone's praying for you, keep it going. Lord's not offended. You might be offended, but Lord's not offended. Jesus. Tough call right here, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Who here takes the pledge seriously that you are a child, that you are son and daughter of God? Who here? Who takes that to be true and to be serious, right? Well, for those that are the sons and daughters of God are to be led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit. Who is to be the sons and daughters of God? He and she who are led by the Spirit of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, um, you humble yourself and your expectations before Him. got a tough question for you today. Will the Lord be offended if we do not take communion? No. Will the Lord be offended if we don't take the tithe right now? No. He's not. Now, if you think he is, it's probably because you're offended. God's not offended. The scriptures, it does not say take the Lord's communion once a week, once a month, first Sunday, last Sunday, second Sunday. It's a tradition that various denominations do. And I just feel the Holy Spirit and the glory is all here. Anyone else feel that right now? So we're just going to be led by the Spirit. And if we take the tithe and offering at the end or if we do communion at the end, then we do that. We'll just see how the Lord works here. But I don't feel that now is a time to to rush things into other places. But I do feel that the Lord is doing exactly what I am supposed to be preaching on. And so I want to just step into a time of the word right now. Worship team, you guys do what you like. If you want to keep playing, go ahead. If you want to sit down, go ahead. The Lord is not offended. We've been preaching these last several weeks on the presence of God. The presence of God, right? We started off with this notion that so many times we talk about the glory. So many times we talk about the presence of God in theoretical terms. But what about in practical terms? We said, this is how you release it. You release it by ushering in praise. You praise the Lord until the spirit of worship comes. You worship the Lord until the glory comes. Amen? And so we've been modeling that. And so when that happens... The priests, it says in believe Second Chronicles, could no longer function in the temple. The heaviness of the Lord was so heavy that they couldn't take communion. They couldn't do a sixth song. They couldn't do announcements. They couldn't do the meet and greet because the presence was so thick. What about you? That's the kind of church I want to have. Amen? And we started to talk about, okay, so, so we need to learn to... To, to wait sometimes for outcomes. And we need to learn to wait in the actual weight and the heaviness, the presence of Him, the kavod, the actual heaviness of the cloud. 
And then last week we had a wonderful message by Josh talking about how the glory is for the presence of God is for a reason. It's to bring forth transformation. Next week, my brother-in-law Jose is going to be here and he is going to be talking about what the Lord is doing when, we, when people around the world call forth the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit shows up, what happens? Power. Power. I'll tell you what happens. Jose and his team, brought, they brought a team to the border of North and South Korea and they prayed forth revival and union in the Spirit. And the next day, North Korea and South Korea said that the war that's been going on for 70 years is over. North Korea is no longer going to detonate and test nuclear weapons. This is what they were saying in the news. This happened 24 hours when a bunch of young, crazy, lunatic, on fire people for the Lord decided to live in their parents' basement and take their Starbucks minimum wage money and put it towards an airfare to South Korea to cry out for revival on Peninsula of Korea. Time to get excited in these last days. So he's going to come and talk about that. And I'm so excited because the week after, two weeks from today, is Shavuot or Pentecost Sunday. And I'm believing. I am believing for a biblical expectation that as the Holy Spirit is just growing and growing and being more and more invited here, that there's just going to be a blowout, fallout, glory bomb, fire explosion on Pentecost, Shavuot. Why? Because it's in God's timetable. Why? Because that's what He does. Why? Because in the beginning of time, He says, look at the stars, look at the moons. The Lord has created Mo'adim, appointed times for Him to do things. And there's an appointed time in God's calendar when the Holy Ghost falls in power and might in the upper room. And I'm believing it for here. And so this is really what's bringing us into today. And that is the need, the need, the need to talk, to meditate, to study, to ponder, to pursue the notion of expectation. In the 21st century... I believe there is no greater threat than the extinguishing of the flame of God in our midst. So many very, very eloquent and very, very good speakers with good hearts and some very, very powerful and anointed worship singers and leaders we all have a temptation to extinguish a flame, which is not necessarily our intention. But it happens sometimes. And the place where this is coming from is this. I believe that in America today and in the world today and even in Pentecostalism today, even in born-again evangelical spirit-filled places I believe that there is a subtle resurgence of the spirit of religion entering the church today. There is nothing that will extinguish the presence of God quicker than man-made religion. Amen? It happens. 
And what's really sad is that a lot of well-meaning people will cloak, will cloak, will hide their abilities, their motives around religion. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're getting there. It's all right. It's great. It's great. Religion extinguishes the presence of God. Uh, This is not a spirit of religion which uh, you may be accustomed to growing up in the 80s and 70s and 60s and 50s. I'm not talking about that spirit of religion necessarily of like, uh, you know, a lot of them have it, but like Catholicism where it's all like do's and don'ts, right? That's usually what a lot of people throw out there as a spirit of religion. That's not even the one I'm talking about. The spirit of religion which I'm talking about uh, is a religion that is a society worshiping itself. What I mean by this is not necessarily the do's and don'ts, don'ts, but every denomination, every people group, they have a way of doing things. And when those way of doing things becomes the end-all, be-all, you are worshiping your own abilities, your own skills, your own constructs. So I mean by the spirit of religion, I mean a group of people who may even be on fire for the Lord, who have a specific type of organizing things, a certain type of doing way of doing things, and they all expect it to happen that way. What's happening? The way in which we do things is the best way of doing things. And right there, you are worshiping not the creator, you're worshiping your own form. You're worshiping your own organizing way of doing things. And then therefore, you're worshiping your own abilities. That's the subtleties of doing religion cloaked with being spirit-filled. Oh, you're spirit-filled, really? Okay. Well, if you're always going to a certain order and a certain pattern to church and to life... I don't know how you're being led by the Spirit of God. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, what I'm trying to get out here is this. There is a way to come up against this. And it's a hard thing because it gets you out of your comfort zone. But that's cool because when you're out of your comfort zone, that means you're discomforted. And then you have to rely on he who is the comforter. And he who is the comforter is the Holy Ghost. To thwart, to go up against... This kind of subtlety that exists even in well-meaning places. The way to go up against that is to best understand expectation. Expectation defined is a strong belief that something will happen. A strong belief that something will happen. Now, if we go into a church or we go into life, we go into places, and we have a strong belief that this is the way in which church is going to happen today, because this is how we do it, you are uttering extremely, extremely subtle but dangerous words. Dangerous words. Because this is how we do it is dangerous because it opposes the expectation of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our place. This is how we do it. This is what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to do in church this week. 
Those are dangerous words because you are following your own capabilities and your own precepts and not following the leading of the Holy Ghost in your moment. So fiery, Pentecostal, non-denominational, evangelical places will have a fiery, cool kind of experience, but it actually could still be the worshiping of one's own self. It can still be a spirit of religion, it's just fiery religion. And it's a dangerous place, it's a dangerous thing. And there is a reason why that we do this. Shakespeare, expectation is the root of all heartache. Expectation is the root of all heartache. People's hearts may say, well, if we don't expect the presence, the glory of God to really show up, you know, if we don't expect that he doesn't show up, and if he doesn't show up, well, then we won't be upset, now will we? If you expect the Holy Ghost to show up in your life and he doesn't show up, you're going to have heartache. So what churches all around the world have said is, I'm not going to expect the Holy Ghost to show up, and then therefore when he doesn't show up, I can still lift my head up and say, service today was was good. It was successful, wasn't it? We could say things like, well, you know, the service went well, the sermon was good, the music, wasn't it touching? Can you really feel the music today? Sermon was good. It was a good flow. The air conditioning was on. Although it's not. You see, we create our own measures of success. And in our minds, if an A, if success, if an A+, plus, if a 100% is looking like, hey, there's a little emotion going on, there's a decent sermon, I can walk away with it, I remembered a couple things, people were smiling, people said hello, now that's success. There's no heartache. Because you're expecting those things which are completely attainable, and they're completely attainable because you're the one that is doing it. Now, when I'm talking about expectation, I am talking about a strong belief that something will happen. What I'm encouraging us to be is a congregation that expects the presence and the glory of God to show up in this place every single week. When I mean an expectation of the Holy Ghost, I'm sorry. I do not mean that nice little warm, fuzzy feeling that you have right now. What I do mean is the manifest presence of God, which is accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, miracles. You see... There has been a forgotten God. There has been a neglect of the full Godhead in the church of the world. What I mean by the full Godhead is I mean the triune nature of the creator of it all. 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. As we've taught in the past in this place, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an electrical force. He is a person. He is a being that is to be worshipped and honored. But in people's lives all across the world, they have neglected that key part of who he is. He's not just the Father. He's not just the Son. He is a Holy Spirit. Second Chronicles 3, 17 says, The Lord is a Spirit. John 14, 6 says, I will send the Helper. There's always an article of using that is a person. He is the counselor. He is the spirit of God. He is the comforter. He is Holy Spirit. He is not some electrical force that you try to muster up. He is a part of the Godhead that needs to be adored and worshipped, but he has been neglected in so many places. So you say, well, Dave, how does this relate to biblical expectation? It relates totally. Because all of creation has been expecting and waiting for the revelation of the sons of God to be revealed. From time beginning, all of creation, Romans 8 19 says, that the world, the creation, the trees, the rocks, the fish, the mammoths, the dinosaurs, the dolphins, the birds of the air, and the angelic hosts have all been waiting for you and I to be revealed unto all of nature. expectation, a groaning of all of the universe waiting for you and I to be revealed. And I'm just telling you that nature and the heavenly realm is still waiting. They're still waiting because many of us and many people on planet earth who call upon the name of Jesus have not been fully revealing what it means to be the sons and daughters of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You want to be a child of God unto creation, you have to be led by the Spirit. Which means, I think I'm supposed to do this, but is this really what the Holy Ghost wants right now? I know I'm supposed to do the communion and we're supposed to do tithes and offerings, but Holy Ghost, what do you want right now? have to be led by him and not be led by your own culture and your own religion and your own thing. I believe that the earth is still waiting and there's going to be an outpouring of men and women on earth who are truly being led by the Spirit of God. And so what's going on is, is you have to understand that you're allowed to be expectant. You gotta get that off your shoulders, man. You're allowed to be expectant of the Holy Ghost to show up. I'm not talking about warm, fuzzy electricity. I'm talking about signs, wonders, miracles. People with a cold healed. People with cancer healed. Gold dust falling. Oil coming out of your hands. Holy Ghost revival boldness to speak life over people and people getting saved. I'm talking signs, wonders, and miracles that someone who's walking with a limp, I come across him and my shadow touches him like Peter. And they're healed. I'm talking about walking through graveyards and tombs opening up because of the anointing, the presence of God that is raining on us. 
You are allowed to expect it. In fact, you're not just supposed to be allowed to expect it. You're supposed to expect it. You're supposed to expect the manifest presence of God to show up in your life and in your circumstance and in your church. Many of us have degraded the Holy Ghost to being just the icing on the cake. Wouldn't it be really great if the Holy Spirit shows up today and He does something and we all walk out a little bit more light and airy? The Holy Spirit is not the icing on the cake, people. He is the call. He is the call of creation. Who hovered over the waters and created out of the Lord's mouth, the Holy Ghost covered went over the waters. It is a cause. It is not something that we're just supposed to be like, oh, you know, I really hope he shows up today and something cool happens. No. He is to be expected. He is supposed to be expected. Amen? Am I getting too fiery today or no? Okay, I'll just keep going then. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Come on. Expecting. He's not just the icing on the cake. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. When's the last time you prayed for someone and cast out a demon, people? Anyone here? You may feel a little weird raising your hand. Anyone here cast out a demon? All right, a couple of us. But these signs are to follow those who believe, casting out demons, setting people free, speaking in new tongues. They will take up serpents and they, if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Ah, these signs will follow. Acts chapter 2, 43, the people stood in awe when they saw the disciples preaching the power of the good news accompanied with signs and wonders. The people stood in awe. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Many signs and wonders were taking place in those days. Whew. I love people who go around calling themselves bishop this and apostle this. Well, I'm the apostle of this church. Okay, you're an apostle of that church. What does the scripture say about being an apostle? There is apostleship. But Paul makes it very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you. What were they? They were accomplished with all perseverance in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. The office of apostle is to be accompanied with all perseverance and tenacity and going after signs, wonders, mighty deeds. This is my resume, Paul is saying to you. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ because when I showed up, I didn't just come speaking, but I came with a perseverance and a desire to see signs, wonders, and mighty deeds fall into the place of Corinth, to fall in Ephesus, to fall in Galatia, to fall in Philippi, to fall in Rome. That's what it means to be a biblical apostle. 
Not getting your PhD in some whatever diploma thing you buy online. An apostle is those who walk with the fire and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Signs, wonders, miracles. Signs, wonders, miracles. But it's not just for an apostle. It is for all of the sons and daughters of God. But many of us do not walk in that revelation yet because you do not yet walk by leaning by the Spirit of God. To have access to the giftings of sons and daughters, you need to act and behave like sons and daughters. And to act and behave like sons and daughters are being led by the Spirit of God. Mm. The Lord Himself. John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you and you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Julia, I say unto you, he says, that you will do greater works. Greater works than the Son of God Himself. Where is the holy expectation to be able to do greater works than Jesus? Where is it? If I don't expect it, then if it doesn't happen, I have my own measure of success. No disappointment when you dumb down the thing. When you dumb down the grades, there's no disappointment now, is there? When you strive higher, when you look to excellence, when you look to the real calling of your life, that's when you start to get a little funky, don't you? Well, you will do greater things than me, he says, and why is that? Because I go to my Father, in verse 16. I'm going to my Father, and I'm going to petition in the throne room of God for you as I sit on the right-hand throne of the Father. And I'm going to petition, 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 that the Holy Ghost, the Helper, the Great Counselor, comes to you. But he, the Holy Spirit, he's become the forgotten God. Because man would rather be comfortable in religion, worshiping its own abilities, its own way of doing things. To expect is to hope. You believe something will happen. It is to have faith in something or someone. To expect is to hope, to believe in, to have faith in. If you expect financial problems in your life, it's going to be real with you. I wish someone was real with me back in the day. So I'm just going to be real with you. If you expect financial problems and job problems, all that kind of stuff, 
you have your faith in mammon, money. You worship money. If you expect that, oh, you're just going to get paid a whole bunch of money, you worship money. But if you also expect that you're never going to have enough, you also are worshiping money. Everyone's like, oh, that guy worships money. Look, he's always striving for more money. But those people have a mentality of always in lack and never having enough. You worship money too. Money is your God. It is the means of your salvation. Because you expect something to be. What you expect in is what you have hope in, what you have faith in. If you expect financial problems, financial problems is your God. Because you believe that it will be. If you believe that you're always going to have negativity in your life, and things are always going to be bad, then you have a sense of worship and faith in your old, old, old fallen nature. You're worshiping yourself, your old self. If you expect five songs, an announcement, a sermon, and an hour of church, with all due respect, you all, you worship man's own abilities. You worship my ability to be somewhat educated and read things from the Bible and make you feel all happy and go lucky. You worship my ability. You worship the ability of Mario. You worship your own church culture if you're coming expecting a certain order of service. We can bring someone to school and teach them how to speak. You can bring someone to school and teach them how to play certain A minor chords that create a certain emotional response. But Paul the Apostle says, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. But power comes by those who are led by the Spirit of God. Not that those who are led by their seminary degree and those that are led with their articulation and their, be- their ability to speak. Paul says, I come to you with no eloquence of speech, but of power of signs, wonders, and miracles. I have faith. I expect that the glory will fall in this church, that the glory will fall in my life, that the glory will fall in my situation. Redefine to expect. Expectation is a holy pursuit. Pursuit is the most definitely emphasized ultimate biblical idea. God pursued you so much that he made you from the earth. He pursued you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Pursuit, pursuit, pursuit is holy, holy, holiness. God pursues us, we pursue Him. Expect Him, the full Godhead. Expectation is a holy, holy thing. And either you expect the abilities of men and men, or you expect the Holy Spirit to show up. And I'm telling you people, we've been there, I've been there, so many places that just say, we're going to... Expect that the pastor and expect that the worship team knows what they're doing and they're going to do it. That's called religion. If we expect the Holy Ghost, the presence of God to show up, I'm telling you though, when the Holy Spirit shows up, things change. Right? Right? Things change. They have to change. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it's not just, ooh, that feels really cool, although it does feel really cool. Signs, wonders, and miracles, the scriptures say. 
You see, we believe for eternal salvation, which is really fantastic. It is unbelievably fantastic and amazing that something that you have not seen, you believe for. It, dude, your faith is amazing. Amen? I don't mean this in a condescending. Your faith to believe for eternal salvation, something you have never seen, is amazing and awesome. Amen. But I'm just a little confused that you have that much faith to believe in eternal salvation, but you don't have enough faith of expectation that the Holy Ghost is going to fall in fire and might in your life. Lord, I believe you for my eternal salvation, but I'm not sure if you're really going to show up on Sunday. That's, that's a crazy. I believe you for that which I have not seen, but come on, I know I've seen you heal people. I've seen you come in and wreck the service. I've seen you heal gang members and save gang members. Come on. Believe that which you have seen. It's unbelievable. Luke chapter 11 verse 9 says, So I say to you, this is Yeshua Jesus saying, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father... What does it say? Well, it's pause, dramatic pause. If you knock and you keep knocking for a million dollars, the Lord shall give you a million dollars. No. If I keep asking and keep asking and keep asking for a wife, for a husband, for a child, for all this stuff, I know the Lord knows the desire of your heart. I'm not knocking it. But what the Lord is saying here, if you knock, you will receive what? The Holy Spirit. Not a lottery check. More of the Holy Ghost in your life. How many people say, oh, if you just knock, you keep asking for this, 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 he's going to give it to you. The context is, if you ask, he will outpour more and more and more of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Fire. So why? Why do we need to come expecting people? Because the presence of God is the cause of creation. He walked with us in the garden. Presence. Why? It is your destiny and your call. It has been caused unto you to walk in the outflowing of the Spirit of God. Signs, wonders, miracles, casting out demons, speaking in new tongues, prophecy, raising of the dead. That's pretty cool. Another reason why we need to come expecting, because in the presence of the Holy One, things, circumstances, issues have to change. They must change. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And another thing is, of course, no one can deny when they were paralyzed, and now they're walking. You remember in Luke when those 
four boys brought their, their, their brother or their friend. Jesus is speaking and talking in a house. They ripped the roof off. My friend is paralyzed, Jesus. We know, we come expecting that you will heal him. The Lord looks up at him and says, your sins have, have been forgiven. Rise and walk. You can't deny Holy Ghost power. You can read C.S. Lewis a thousand times over again. You can give out a hundred copies of Mere Christianity to all of your friends. You can give them a whole bunch of books and they can read it, but there's still an intellectual kind of component. It's not necessarily bad. But when you go up to someone who's got a PhD in mechanical engineering, who's got a PhD in, in philosophy, when you go up to a rabbi who doesn't believe in Yeshua yet, when you go up to a, a, a Muslim who believes in Allah and not Yahweh, and you come with signs, you come with wonders, you come with miracles, you can't deny the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You just can't. So let's get into it. Let's stand for a moment. And I want to come expecting. If you have a tithe check, cool. We need it. We got another leak in the roof. A different one. We just found out the air conditioning isn't working. So, hey, we, we need your money. We need it, but God doesn't. But we would like it because it would make it a little easier. Right? We're just going to have to pray more and pray harder and harder and harder if you don't give a little tithe check. Uh, so it kind of, you know, it's kind of nice when if there's a little bit of tithe check, then we don't have to pray as hard. I mean, I'm kind of doing this in a jovial manner, but I hope you hear my heart in it. So, you know, the ushers will be in the back. You plop it in the basket and you give it unto the Lord with rejoicing, not out of coercion, but, but out of love. But I want to be led by the spirit of God. So let's just take a moment to just worship. See how the Holy Ghost just leads right now. If you want, you can put your money in the, in the basket so you can release it and come back if you're like nervous about it or something. There's nothing wrong with that, but like, you know, we're, we're trained. Like, oh, wait, I, you, know, this, we, you know, this is what we're supposed to do now. So I think my wife has ours, but if my personality temperament, I'd be like, I'm putting it in right now so I can just like, all right, I did it. It's done. Now I can be free. That's just how my mind is wired. Let's just worship a little bit. Let's just feel the spirit. Because the Lord's going to do something. Come on. We just taught on expectation. We just talked about signs, wonders, and miracles. So do you expect? Do you expect? Do you expect and believe for signs, wonders, and miracles? We do not, we do not, we do not, we do not worship the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. We worship the He who gives the signs, wonders, and miracles. We do not even necessarily pursue signs, wonders, and miracles. We pursue the neglected one of the triune nature of God. That is the Holy Ghost. But if the Holy Ghost shows up, holiness is laid down in the tabernacle. 
And when the holiness is laid down in the tabernacle, sin and sin natures cannot exist. So come expecting. Not only are you allowed to, you're supposed to. Jesus! Just cry out to the Lord right now. We can expect a worship song by... <laughs> we can expect a worship song by Mario and Jess. Or we can expect the Holy Ghost to fall and give us words. And new songs. Come on. We expect, oh God. Calm down. We expect you, Jesus. We expect you, Holy Spirit. Stir our faith right now. New songs. New songs. New songs. New chord progression. Signs, wondrous miracles. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on, let your faith be stirred. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Come on. Let the glory fall in your life. Let the Spirit of the living God lead you in all things. Lead you in church. Lead you at work. Lead you in the grocery store. Lead you when you wake up. Go, people, just be faithful, faithful to wait in the weight of his glory. In fact, I have someone help me move the podium here. Come on, just be faithful, be faithful, be faithful in the waiting. Let your faith be stirred in the waiting right now. Jesus. Call down the presence. We worship you. We worship you. Glory to your name. Release the heavens. Heaven's gates. Be open. Open up the gates of heaven. Holy Ghost fall. Signs, wonders, and miracles in these days. Signs, wonders, and miracles in these days. We ask for forgiveness for neglecting the Holy Ghost as part of the triune nature of God. We say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Welcome here, not just warm, fuzzy feelings, but, but power of the Holy Ghost. Power of the Holy Ghost. 